Quarantine's the, the season for trilogies. And one of the trilogies that, uh, that you may have watched is the Indiana Jones series. Uh, the one where uh, Raiders of, not the Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, the Crusaders, the one with the Crusades. Uh, that one where they're going after the, the Holy Grail. There's that scene at the end where Indiana's uh, girl, his boo, uh, falls off the cliff. And he's, and, he's, and he's got her by a hand and she's trying to get that, that cup, that Holy Grail. And she has it on, on her fingertips. And he's yelling, I can't hold you, I can't hold you, grab my other, I need your other hand, I need, I need, and he's yelling at her. She doesn't listen, she falls and she dies. And then he, you know, with another little trimmer, falls in, and uh, his dad gets him by the hand. And, and he's yelling, Indiana, 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 I can't hold you, grab my other hand, Indiana, Indiana. And then, then he says, Indiana, I need your other hand. And he's like, Dad, Dad, I'm, I got this, I'm, I'm so close, I, I can touch it. And he goes, Indiana, let it go. And Indiana Jones lets it go, grabs his other hand, they go off into safety. It was all this screaming, all this chaos, and it finally took his dad using two words, Junior, Junior, Indiana, Indiana. It was, it was the power of the whisper. In the midst of all the chaos, it was somebody's voice whispering that made a change. There, you know, that's a relational thing. You know, there, there is power behind, behind one, the person who is whispering, and then there is power behind the actual whisper. I mean, I do this with my kids all the time. Sometimes, sometimes you're hollering at them, but then you whisper, Landon, really? And you say that, and what makes it powerful? Is it not powerful because of proximity? You have to be close to somebody to hear the whisper. And, and I think this is something that, that, that God does with us. He, he says this in, in 1 Kings. First Kings, it says, after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And it, and it goes on to talk about what, what God said to Elijah through, through the whisper. It wasn't in the fire, it wasn't in the earthquake, it wasn't in all these loud, chaotic things. It was God's voice through the whisper. I think God right now is trying to whisper to us. And we don't understand the nearness, the closeness of, of our God. We're treating him as distant, so distant that we would not be able to hear his whisper, so busy we wouldn't be able to hear his whisper. Well, what might he be saying through the whisper? Well, what might he be trying to whisper into our ear during this time of quarantine, during this time of when are we going to reopen, during this time of X, Y, Z? What might he be saying? Joy, joy, joy in me. Don't get caught up in the noise. Don't get caught up in the anxiety. Be captured by me. Be rooted in me. Maybe God's trying to whisper that into your ear. Throughout this series, we've been going through the book of Philippians. We, 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 the Rooted series started in chapter 3. In chapter 3, we said, our joy is our confidence. That, that, our, that if we're going to have joy, if we're going to walk through any season of life, any, any chapter of our lives, if we're going to walk through anything like that, that, that if we're going to have joy, our joy is going to be found our, our, in our confidence, and our confidence is tied directly. He is Jesus Christ. He is our confidence. And then in the following week, we said, okay, if, if, that, if, our, if, if we're going to be rooted in Christ, that we're going to have joy in Christ, we said then, then the rooted life is is a focused life. If you're going to have a rooted life in Christ, then you better be focused. And we apply that to different areas. Now here's where Paul now continues 
Now we go into chapter 4 of Philippians. He says this, Therefore, my brothers, whom I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in whom? The Lord, my beloved. Paul's talking to these individuals out of, out of his sheer love for them. And, and, and he longs to be with them. I long to be with you. My people, I, I long to be with you. And as Paul has a message for them, not only does he long to be with them, he has a message for them, uh, something to, for them to understand. I long to be with you. And I also want you to understand this, this incredible juxtaposition that we can stand firm while marching ahead. We can be rooted while, while moving. That we can be anchored while pressing on. Paul wants them to know this through, through his love. And see, stand firm though in what? Stand firm in whom? Stand, stand firm in the Lord. But when you and I think about standing firm right now, we feel like we're being tossed all over the place. And right there at the beginning of chapter 4, he says, stand firm in the Lord. Here's, here's two reasons why we think we can't stand firm. And here's two reasons why we think we're faking standing firm. First, two reasons why we, we can't stand firm. I think one is shame. I can't stand firm. Jason, do you know my past? Oh, they know my past. They know my past. They know my past. Shame, 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 shame. I cannot stand firm in the Lord. Yes, he loves me, but he surely does not like me. Oh. There is therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You're heaping, you're living in a place of shame, and it's almost become something that you're comfortable with. No. Christ died on the cross to take away the shame of both of our lives. Perhaps it's worry. Perhaps it's worry and anxiety that, that your mind is, is, is consumed with all this noise, 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 noise. Stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm and confident in the Lord. No, like, I'm, I'm all over the place. I, I can hardly even get out of bed. And we become comfortable in that place to stand firm and to walk confidently in the Lord. Confident in what? I'm anxious about everything. Or we have a facade of strength. We, we look at our, our bank account and we say, well, I got enough money in the bank. Stand firm in what? No, I'm going to stand firm in me. I'm going to do me. I have the backing of my bank account. My God can make that go away in an instant. We stand firm in our power. Oh, I have position. Uh, I, I, am, I am this person in my company. I'm this person in a political figure. I'm this. I'm going to stand firm in me, in my power. Your power is only given to you by the Lord God Almighty. It can go away in an instance. So Paul, right from the very beginning, is saying, stand firm in the Lord. Our big thought for this online experience is that the rooted life is always possible when rooted in Jesus. You and I are to stand firm. You and I are to be rooted in Christ Jesus. So when we, this is always possible because Jesus is always available to us. So if we live the rooted life, we're going to be rooted in Christ Jesus. So where Paul goes now is to directly apply that to three areas. If you're going to live the rooted life in Christ Jesus, it is going to absolutely play out in three distinct areas. First, it's applicable within our relationships. He says, I entreat you, and I entreat you, uh, to agree in the Lord. There's an unspecified, it's a small issue, it's probably like a pothole type issue, but it's also showing us that the Philippian church is not a perfect church. There's an issue within it. They're not rooted. They're not standing together. Yes, I ask you, I ask you also, the true companion, 
help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. They are sisters in Christ. They are laborers for the gospel with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers who, whose names are in the book of life. He references these two women as having an undissolved, uh, uh, unresolved issue. He, he, he lays out their specific names. Can you imagine receiving, <laughs> receiving this letter and having it read to the whole Philippian church and then you're one of these two ladies and you're like, he just aired my garbage. <laughs> he just laid and you're like looking around like, yeah, we should, probably, <laughs> we should probably go and talk. Can you imagine your name being read out loud <laughs> like that? So he says, solve it. How, how, are we to, how, how are we to solve the problem? He says, by, by having the same mind. This is, Paul's not taking sides. He's not saying, well, you're wrong and you're right. He's saying, you two need to talk and, and try to get on the same page. Have the same mind. Look at this. Think about this the same way. If you're rooted in Christ, you can get to this place. Have the same thinking. Now, that doesn't mean when you and I are to have our same thinking, it doesn't mean that you or I walk into the church and we're going to walk around like robots with the same exact thinking, thinking the same about which sports team, thinking the same about politics, thinking the same about this. No, but we're going to say, what we're going to say with this by having the same mind is that we're going to keep the main thing the main thing. What it means is I'm not going to hold my opinion as more valuable than a person. Get on the same page with your thinking. Secondly, how are you going to do this? You're going to do it by, by as a church. You're going to call for um, intervention. You're going to call for, for help. He calls on a specific person as, as a peacemaker to, to play a role in this. So, so Paul is reminding us of the importance that the church family plays in resolving conflict, that we are going to be rooted together and come alongside one another. This isn't trying to meddle in everybody's affairs, but no, we're seeking after gospel re uh, reconciliation. This means that, that when you and I think, you know what, the, like, it's none of my business. To heck with that. In the church setting, with the heart of the gospel and unity at mind, there is absolutely times where the church needs to get involved and help resolve an issue for the church to again flourish. Why? Thirdly, the gospel is at the heart of reconciliation. Both of these, Paul, by, by not taking sides, is, is implied. Both of them have a matter to own. You're right now probably thinking of somebody you have some sort of a conflict with. I can all but guarantee you, you're not 100% in the right. If you want to assign percentages, it may be as small as 1% or 2% in the wrong. But both of these women have something to own. And it is the gospel that teaches me I can own my wrong and move forward. And after all, in the church setting, the person on the other side, their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's written in the book that, that says, here's, here's the names of the people going to heaven. The person that you're disputing, that you're arguing, that you're, that you're fighting against, Christ died for that person. That should sober us up to think about who we are fighting with. Now, I hear stuff like this in, in the church setting, and, and I'm, I'm not laying out people's garbage right, right here on a screen, but I'll, it often happens sometimes in a prayer circle. Sometimes you'll be around praying, and someone's like, hey, we need to pray for so-and-so. They're a little loosey right now, if you will. Hey, Pastor Jason, you need to go and talk to so-and-so. After we pray for them, you better go and talk to so-and-so. 
And my, and my response is often, or always, is, well, it doesn't sound like I know so-and-so as well as you do. So it sounds like you need to play role of peacemaker. Sounds like you need to go and involve yourself in the right way to try to bring reconciliation between two, two people that are maybe in conflict or, or over a situation. Or, or ORC, hey, these two people, they used to be besties. They used to be talking all the time. You couldn't get them to shut up. But now they don't talk. Now they're in church together and they, they give a glance, they might do a nod, but they don't talk. And, and you'll ask them, well, hey, what, what happened between the two of you? Uh, there was something that went on and I, I got offended. Or I got the, it's not worth it. It's not worth fighting. So we're just, we're just, you know, it's, we're just distant. It's not worth it. You know what that communicates? That the problem is actually of greater worth than the person on the other side of the conflict. If I'm rooted in Christ Jesus, Paul is saying, you hold people of such great worth that you handle your stuff. So here's the reminder to us. We should always look at ourselves as a threat to church unity. We, we can destroy church unity in, in a second. So are you going to be a person that will ask for help in the midst of conflict? Who can you ask? Are you positioned to be around people that could help you play the role of, of peacemaker? Are you willing to admit, I have an issue and I need, I need help. I have something to own in this situation. Are you prepared? If you're not in conflict right now, nothing's coming to mind. Are you prepared to play the role of peacemaker without, without gossiping? Are you, are you in a role to pursue humility, both as the peacemaker, both as the person that needs to own wrong, both, both another as the person that needs to extend forgiveness? So perhaps right now you need to send a text message and start the process. The text message might need you to simply say, I'm sorry. And that will open up the, the can of worms that you need to open up right now. Perhaps, the, perhaps it will just, your text message will say, can we talk? Whatever it might be right now, if you are rooted in Christ and you're saying, ah, Jesus Christ is my everything, then send that text message. Here's, here's where else is, is it, it's applicable. It's applicable also, uh, not only within relations, but also within anxiety. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He says it in the double, in the double term, in the, in, in the double meaning, to, to say this is something that you need to do. Should, always or sometimes? Always. Always. He's not making a suggestion. He's saying, nope, you need to do this all the time. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand both in proximity and like, hey, I'm one minute out. It kind of has both of those terms, uh, being near. Do not be anxious. Uh, uh, do not be anxious. See, when we're anxious, what did he say at the beginning part of this verse? Let your reasonableness be known. Perhaps there's a disconnect between your anxiety and the reasonableness of the situation about anything. But then he, he sets up the contrast. But... But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that you and I are supposed to live a thankful life, we're supposed to be viewing life glass half full, let your request be known to God. Behind your anxiety may be, may be something that is seemingly reasonable. So what should you do? In your mind, if you think it is reasonable enough, is it reasonable enough to bring it to God? The one that you've attained. Who's of greater worth? Who, what can handle the situation that you're, that you're anxious about? Is your anxiety going to solve it or should you bring it to the one who can solve it? And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. He is so blunt. You need to rejoice. And I think right now in this season, we need somebody to be blunt. We need somebody to look in a camera and say, take hold of the joy that is yours. Take hold of it. It's already yours. But, and, and so here's, here's when I look at this, when I think about this, it's, it's like, have you ever seen that person? Have you ever been in a house where it's your dad or, 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 or a kid where, they're, where they're, looking for, they're looking for their keys? They're like, they're tearing up the house. Where are my keys? Where are my keys? Where are my keys? And all of a sudden they're like, oh, they're right here in my pocket. Where are my glasses? Where are my glasses? You idiot. They're on your face. And, it's, and we think we've lost something that's directly on us. That's joy. That's peace. And this season, we feel like we've lost it. And we need somebody to look in the camera and say, it's within you. Take it. We're in the midst of two pandemics. Not only the pandemic of, of a situation with, with our health, but the pandemic of, of the anxiety that has engulfed our, our society. Now, these two pandemics have, have collided. Where we sit, we spend our days in quiet, worrying about the future, worrying about so many what ifs, taking what is a future possibility and living as if it's a current reality. We're going to a place of worry and it's preoccupying our minds. We're living in a place of doubt. We're living in a place worrying about work. We're worrying about illness. We're worrying about relational stress. We're worrying about the burdens of the past. We're nervous about the present and we're living in a world of what ifs. I think behind anxiety is often one or two things. If you think deeply about your anxiety, oftentimes you'll find a crippling lie lurking beneath the surface. Where might your anxiety be lying to you? But where might your anxiety also be revealing some sort of an idol? That you're anxious about money? Has money become an idol? You're anxious about what people will think? Has reputation become an idol? Anxiety hits all of us. Every social, every social class, it hits us all. Money doesn't make things go away. Fame doesn't make things go away. Everybody feels anxious from time to time. And so what will you do with that? There's a proverb that, that the Proverbs 12 says, anxiety uh, in a man's heart weighs it down. You and I are carrying so much baggage. We're, we're carrying this heavy bag and we're walking miles with it. So what do we need to do? We need to refocus what, to, to a place of joy. We need to go to a place of, of, of gratitude. We, what does it say? It says prayer, pray. It says bring your request to God and go to a place of gratitude, being thankful. How can you pray? How can you bring your request to God? And how can you be thankful while being anxious? It's very hard to be anxious while doing those three things. Peter will say, cast your, your, your cares, cast your concerns, cast your anxiety on the Lord. Why? Because Jesus cares for you. The psalmist, the psalmist will, will, will write, cast your burdens on the Lord. The Lord will sustain you. Paul is not saying, go to prayer and it's going to make all your problems go away. Go to prayer and live a life of kumbaya. You will have no more problems. No, go to prayer and give the burden of the problem over to God. Paul is not writing this detached from reality. He's writing, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, give it over to God. He's writing that from a jail cell. 
for him, it's very much a reality. For Paul, it's very much, I can sing a song of joy with tears pouring down my face. Why? Because the Lord is near. When I said yes to a relationship with Jesus, God Almighty looked at me as holy and perfect and says, there, there is a person that I can send my Holy Spirit to live within. And so if I have the Holy Spirit living up inside of me, the Lord Jesus is quite literally near as his Spirit lives inside of me. I can't take a step away from the presence of God. It also shows me the nearness of God is that he is coming back at any moment. He is near his return. His nearness. His nearness is within us. He will be back soon. So are you going to let him guard? Are you going to let him guard your peace? Are you going to let him guard your joy? Or do you go to others to guard it? Stand firm in the Lord. Not stand firm in yourself. Not stand firm in your boyfriend. Hey, you, you need to protect my joy and my peace. Hey, your spouse, you need to protect my joy and my peace. Hey, mom, sister, brother, you need to protect my, my, my peace and my joy. No, you, you go to Jesus Christ. He is the one responsible for guarding your joy, guarding your peace. You can have peace right now as somebody rooted in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you know the Prince of Peace. When this whole thing started, I felt so anxious. We were launching a coffee shop and, and I was leading an organization. And I, and I struggled because here, coffee shop, the day before we launched the coffee shop, our POS system, which is where our point of sale that takes in all the money and, and like we really couldn't do anything without this point of sale system. We used, we used a company and the, the day that they're supposed to, like we're, we, we're launching on a Wednesday, on a Tuesday at one o'clock, they're supposed to install our POS system. It kept getting delayed. And then and all of a sudden, Tuesday at one o'clock, we're getting ghosted, 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 ghosted. Find out they had to lay off 50% of their workforce. And so the people that were working with us got laid off. And so we got delayed, we got delayed, we got delayed, and I was stressing out. You think about this. You're stressing out. I'm stressing out. I'm getting anxious, but people lost their job. Uh, so so, that, so that, was, that was a feeling that I had. And, and then as I'm leading this organization, people give their tithes, their offering, the money, their income. They, they tie the percentage to the church. But so, so now, now the workforce, I don't know if you've seen the unemployment rate lately, it's very skyrocketing high. Uh, and so here I am as an organization saying, what am I going to do? What, am I going to have to lay people off? Am I going to have to take a pay cut myself? How, how are we going to manage through this? Because as, as people's jobs go down, as income goes down, tithing to the church uh, a reason, with, uh, with reasonless it seems like it's going to go down. But as money goes down, guess what's going to go up? People's need for help. People's need for, for ShopRite cards, for counseling, for a whole slew of things. So, so money's going to go down. The need's going to go up. And I started wondering all about this and getting anxious. Here's the power of Jesus Christ through people. A lot of people in our, in our, in our, in our, in our day and age, in our, in our church, are still employed. And they're not getting lost in the future. They're saying, right here and right now, God has provided, and they're still being a blessing to the church. So I want to thank you for your generosity. We value generosity. 
Our church has been a shining light of generosity. We've not had to lay anybody off. We've not had to take pay cuts. And we've been able to bless people with ShopRite cards, gift cards, helping them with a whole slew of things. Why? Because people trust God and they're not getting lost in anxiety and they're still, and they're still providing for the work of the church. See, this is, to me, this is something that where we value simplicity. We value simplicity, and the power of simplicity is in the action, is in, in the doing. See, we can have a simple structure. You might simply know you need to text somebody to start making it right, but simplicity gets hard when you actually have to do a thing. The, the profound nature of simplicity is when you do something about it. See, Paul is making a command. In the midst of all the chaos, go and find joy. Go to a place of joy. He's not making a suggestion. He's giving a command. You need to go and do it. This is not just good advice. So where does Paul apply this? Paul applies this when, 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 he, when he says, later on in, in, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, as grieving, yet always rejoicing. There's many of us, whether it's the loss of work or loss of a loved one, that we find ourselves in a place of grieving, and that gives us an element of anxiety, doesn't But Paul, in a different book, says, says again, always as grieving, yet always rejoicing. That means in the place of extreme hurt and anxiety, we can look at the evil one. We can look at him in the face and say, screw you. <laughs> you can put all the grief you want on me and I will grieve, but you will never take away my joy. And so in the midst of, of a hard season, in the midst of struggles, perhaps just, just hearing this sermon is offering you an element of perspective. Are you surrounded with friends? Are you surrounded with family that could offer you perspective? I want to challenge you right now. Send a text message. Send, send a text message saying, I am struggling. You seem to be a grounded person. Can, can I barf on you for a little bit? And can you offer me a little bit of perspective? So if we're going to live this rooted life, it's going to be applicable uh, in, in, uh, in, in our relationships. It's going to be applicable, applicable in, our, in our anxiety. But then lastly, it's going to be applicable within our thinking. He says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He's setting up a, another concept, another a contrast from, from worry. Don't be consumed with worry. Be consumed about these elements. What you have learned and received and have heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace, practice this, do this, and you're going to find peace will be with you. As anger can dominate our, our thoughts. As anxiety can dominate our thoughts, Paul goes to this place. You want to live the rooted life? It better dominate your thinking. You better dwell on the things that, that are going to bring you peace. You, you dwell on anger. You dwell on anxiety. And you wonder why your life is in a spiral. <laughs> Go to a place where you're dwelling on what is good, what is honorable. No matter the heartaches in life, you, in Christ Jesus, always have something of incredible worth to dwell on. Something of incredible beauty to squash and to put out the flames that is in, in your mind. So think about what is admirable. Think about what is honorable. Think about what is, uh, what is just. Think about what is, what is good. Surrender your thoughts to Jesus. 
Surrender your thoughts to, to, to the beauty of the gospel. Surrender your thoughts to looking around and finding something that is praiseworthy. If you have Christ Jesus, your life has never gone to hell. If you have Christ Jesus, your life has never gone to hell. If you have Christ Jesus, you always have something of worth to fixate your mind on. And so Paul goes back to this, this thinking that, he's, that he has said throughout the book, emulate others. Emulate others that, that, that know how in the midst of heartache, know in the midst of hardship, how to dwell on their creator. Know how to dwell on their savior. Know how to, to think about those things. Know how to focus their minds on excellent things. To let their minds be dominated about what is good. Now, I know that anxious people love watching the media. I know this to be absolutely true. You don't think so? Trust me, it's true. I'm married to a very anxious person that loves to spend all of her time on the media, in the media. Now, she'll tell me it's just because she needs to be informed. That, that she just needs to know what is going on. And I get that. There is often times where Ava has a way of keeping our house safe because she, she knows what is going on. But, but in a conversation that we've had recently uh, with, with the Wilsons and, and talking about anxiety and, and, and kind of the media and whatnot, Ava's like, no, I love, I, see, the, the media, when I hear good things, it brings me up. But when I hear bad things, it, it really brings me down. <laughs> and, and, and Graham was like, Ava, I know you well enough to know you're the last person that should ever be watching, watching the news. And, and you know what? He's right. Because you and I in Christ Jesus, you and I, uh, we, we don't need to go to, to the media to, bring our, to lift our minds up. See, the media, I mean, what, 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 what sells with the media? It's not good that sells. It's, if we live in a fallen world, we get attracted to the fallen nature of the fallen world. So when bad things happen, the media sells the bad things in our mind, and the brokenness of this world goes to the bad. And so for you, what I would say to my wife, what I would say to, to anybody in a quest to feel lifted up, you don't need to go to the media to feel lifted up. You can go to the root. You can go to Christ Jesus and fixate your mind on Christ Jesus, and there feel lifted up. How much of what you feel anxious about is the antithesis of all of this good thinking? Think about this. Let's pass the test. Right now, somebody here watching this is, is, is losing their anxious mind over a boyfriend. Let's run it through the test real quick. Is your boyfriend good? Is your boyfriend honorable? Is your boyfriend pure? Is your boyfriend just? I'm going to bet a week's pay that when you're so anxious about your boyfriend and you run it through the test of what your mind should be dwelling on, I bet you your boyfriend it isn't as hot stuff as, as your mind makes him out to be. And so maybe you need to take your anxiousness wrapped up in your boyfriend and throw him to the curve because he's not good for you. Think about, dwell on what is good, what is honorable. Let that be the test. So what's, how are you currently shaping your thinking? Here, here are some suggestions on what you can do to help shape your mind in a positive, good direction. Why don't you join our Wednesday night Zoom life group? 
Go on to our app, go on to our website, go to the life group section, sign up for the Wednesday night life group. If, you, if you're tuning in right here, you can tune into our Zoom life group. You can join other life groups that are also right now uh, meeting over Zoom. You can go and you can chew on questions with this sermon. You can start fixating your mind on good things as you get to know people and as you think about good truth, you can download, you can go to your phone and get a U version, uh, the U version Bible app. You can get a plan, plans that deal with anxiety, plans that deal with relationships, plans that deal with a whole bunch of things. But you can start reading on a daily basis God's word through an app and fixate your mind on, on good things. You know what? You need some good people? Guess what? Start FaceTiming them. Get some FaceTime with people through FaceTime because absolutely Apple is better than Android. So utilize FaceTime. You, you, need, you needed something? Go on your social media. Start, stop barfing garbage on your social media and just, you know what? Say, I need a pick-me-up. Share with me something good. Start a good news feed on your social media with a whole bunch of good going on. You know what else you need to do? You need to take that advantage of that option to snooze people for, for 30 days. You need to snooze the crap out of a whole slew of people on your social media that are dragging you down. Put them to sleep. Not like literally like, you know, like then, but like put them to sleep in a social media sense by having nothing to do with them now. So again, who do you need to text? Who do you need to text right now to say, you know what? My mind is not thinking and dwelling on good things. Will you join the Zoom life group with me? Who do you need to text right now to say, will you do a plan with me? A Bible reading plan with me? Can we encourage one another? What have we said? We said the rooted life is always possible when rooted in Jesus. And that's going to be applicable in our relationships. It's going to be applicable in our anxiety. It's going to be ap applicable in our, in our thoughts. To be rooted in Jesus is to be rooted in joy. To be rooted in Jesus is to be rooted in to find peace. To be rooted in Jesus is to be rooted in power. When Jesus is within me, I can live every single day rooted in Christ Jesus. So stand firm. Be immovable. Run the race and finish strong. This whole quarantine may have made the race just a little bit harder. But run the race because Christ Jesus lives inside of you and empowers you. You want a stable life? You feel like everything is falling out of control and like nothing is stable? Be rooted in Christ Jesus and he will put you on mission. Sometimes the mission will feel like chaos but you will always be stable when focused on the root, Jesus Christ, standing firm, anchored to him. My son is somebody that I have just grown to deeply respect. There's times where he can be given over to anxiousness and uh, where he can worry and wonder and like, what did I hear? Like he'll come running into a room and be like, there's a light on in the house next door. And like, and now like the cops are going to like, and it's like, what are you talking about? And uh, so he can give over to anxiousness. But what I also love about him is, as I know that it's something that he can be given over to, you would think that he would never try anything. You would think, well, the outcome, I, I might not get the position. I might not get the role. I might, the student government or this play or this chorus or this, like you would think, or this sports team, like if I try out, like what if I don't make it? What, like he's an anxious person. But what I love about him is he also has this attitude. I'll give it a go. If I don't make it, it's no big deal. I'll go on to the next thing. I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. And what, what I know from him as I talk with him about him, as I tell him, buddy, I am so, you didn't get the role. You didn't get the position in, in the student government. It's like, okay, I'll get the next one. 
Like he literally talks to me like that. And I look at him like, I am so stinking proud of you. It takes a really strong person to be willing to try and fail and then get up and try again. And then get up and try again because you know what? At some point, God will open the door and you will flourish. My son fights through anxiety and tries and tries and tries. And so that is linked to my, my challenge for you and for I, to trust God to move forward and take a step. My challenge is to send the text now. Right now, in each section I said, send a text and do this. Send a text to a friend and apologize. Send a text and ask for perspective. Send a text and, and ask, will you do a plan with me? Send the text. So if you're rooted in Christ Jesus, Paul applies it to three different areas that, that require you to take a step. We did worship. We sang one song on the front end and we're singing three songs on the back end. We're about to go into a song called Waymaker where God will make a way. Perhaps right now, we're giving you three songs to send a text message and take a step to apply this truth. I'm rooted in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna do something about it. Send a text right now to take a step of trust, to take a step of faith and to move forward. Don't live in the chaos. Don't live in the garbage. Don't live in the worry. Don't live in the shame. Take a step forward because Christ Jesus is within and you can. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you and we hope you have a fantastic week.